truly, there are few things simpler and more satisfying than walking out to your garden to pick fresh produce that will be part of your dinner. What is even better is picking fresh herbs from your garden that are packed with a tremendous flavor that you never get from store-bought products. These are only a few of the advantages of going local because it doesn't get more local than your own backyard. But our backyard now consists of the entire planet thanks to the effects of globalization. And while this has obvious advantages, it has also robbed us of one of the best things in life, which is simplicity. This is the topic I want to discuss in this week's episode. Due to globalization, is simplicity a thing of the past? Welcome to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. Your host has lived an off-grid, sustainable lifestyle for over 20 years. His homestead is run on solar energy. He has an earth shelter greenhouse and produces much of his own food. And all of this takes place in the middle of the forest in Colorado. Now, let's join Patrick, a man that not only teaches the skills of sustainable living, but lives that life every day. Welcome back, everyone, to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. This is your host, Patrick, and this is episode 87, which is called From Local to Global, Is Simplicity a Thing of the Past? But before we get started with this week's episode, I'd like to remind everyone, if you want to contact me with questions, comments, or even suggestions of topics you would like to hear about, then feel free to contact me at adventuresinsustainableliving at gmail.com. So that said, let's get right down to this week's topic of discussion, because I think this is something we need to think about very, very carefully, and what I'm talking about is globalization. The first thing that I want to discuss in this episode is how globalization got started and the obvious benefits to humanity due to that trend. Then I want to discuss the disadvantages to globalization and how that affects each and every one of us. In fact, I would contend that there are several recent examples of what's going on in the world that makes all of us feel the disadvantages of our global community. Then I want to show you how this globalization is truly detrimental from a sustainable perspective. And then I want to finish by posing the question of whether or not this is even beneficial anymore in our modern life. So like it or not, globalization touches every aspect of our lives. If you do not believe me, then take a few minutes and look at all the products in your home. Read the labels. You will easily find products from China, Thailand, Vietnam, Mexico, Canada, Peru, Central America, Germany, as well as many others. Now, there is nothing inherently wrong with this, but you know, I happen to enjoy the quinoa that comes from Peru and the organic chia seeds from Central America. And in fact, globalization is why we have such a variety of products 
that we can enjoy, not to mention a significant variety in the food that we eat every day. But you know, like most people, I used to think that globalization was a modern phenomenon. And even though there is considerable debate over when globalization truly started, it is agreed upon that this term is simply used to describe how trade and technology has turned us into a highly connected and interdependent society. And many would argue that this trend started when Columbus made it across the ocean to the New World. And others would argue that globalization actually started well before that. And the best known example is what is called the Silk Road, which is a network of routes spanning approximately 6,400 kilometers, which is a little less than 4,000 miles, and went across Asia, the Middle East, East Africa, and Europe. And as with today, new technologies played an important role in trade along the Silk Road. Improvements in transportation led to the construction of new roads, Increased agricultural production resulted in more food being transported and marketed. Advances in metallurgy led to the production of coins. Things such as Arabian spices, Roman glass, Chinese silk, tea, ivory, cotton, wool, and precious metals were common trade goods. And it was not only trade goods that spread, but also the sharing of beliefs and philosophies. The secrets of how to make paper also aided in the spread of beliefs and knowledge. And furthermore, it was the age of exploration, which lasted from the 1400s through the 1600s, substantially accelerated globalization. Europeans began exploring the world and found new routes to India, much of the Far East and the Americas. Again, technology played an important role. Things such as new ship design and the invention of the magnetic compass were key advances that allowed this to happen. Trade goods, ideas, new philosophies, and religious beliefs now spread to parts of the world that were previously completely disconnected. And then this age of exploration was followed by the age of revolution, which lasted from approximately the late 18th century to the middle of the 19th century and brought significant changes to the world. In fact, the American Revolution was happened during this time. On the European continent, it was the French Revolution, followed by World War I. And during this time frame, there were a number of basic cultural trends that spread. International relationships changed, and the ideas of political liberalization spread very quickly. Ideas of freedom, equality, and individual liberty spread like wildfire and all of this was further powered by industrialization, the invention of cars, steamboats, planes, railways, factories, and of course, war 
after war. People, money, merchandise, new ideas and philosophies, and even disease spread more quickly as a result of new discoveries and technology. And we even see this now in our age of information. Advances in computer and communication technologies has completely redefined what it means to be connected. The digital revolution has had a dramatic impact on international economies and we have become more information-based and independent. We have easy access to hundreds of years of information at the tips of our fingers. Even international financial markets are now strongly interconnected. And truly, we are at a point where an environmental crisis, a financial collapse, natural disaster, and even foreign invasion of one country has a significant impact on the global economy. And nowhere is that more evident than the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So it is quite obvious that globalization has had a dramatic impact on how we live. It obviously has many advantages. We have easy access to new cultures. In general, we have access to new products and foods at a lower cost. We have access to new technology, information, even higher standards of living for many people across the globe. In the end, we also see an increase, hopefully, in open-mindedness, tolerance for new ideas and beliefs through cross-cultural exchange and collaboration. But yet, despite all of these obvious advantages, in my opinion, there are some obvious and significant disadvantages to globalization. We now live in a world where big business focuses more on profits rather than purpose. The global movement of goods and commodities certainly has a detrimental impact on the environment and simplicity has gone right out the window. And in fact, the United States is by far the largest exporter of agricultural products in the world. We export approximately $150 billion annually and we import about $146 billion annually. And all of this is focused simply on meeting the needs of the consumer. We are now at a point where 53% of our fresh fruit and 33% of our fresh vegetables are now imported. In 2020, the United Kingdom imported 46% of the food that was consumed. But Australia, on the other hand, exports about 60% of the food that that country produces, and therefore they are very self-sufficient with their national food supply. But despite all the advantages of globalization, I would contend that it does nothing but add yet another layer of complexity to our lives. For example, with increased conflict in our global community, a significant source of wheat has been taken off the global market. 
climate change and water scarcity has produced a significant reduction in staple crops such as corn and wheat. The disappearance of a variety of agricultural plant species produces even more food insecurity. The global pandemic severely affected supply chains around the world, and for example, many smart devices these days use microchips, and when materials are short, then fabrication and assembly shuts down. Now, there is a shortage of chips that go into computers, things that control automobile production, home appliances, and many other things that we use every day. When something happens that affects the availability of labor, cargo ships cannot be unloaded. The shortage of drivers for transportation vehicles mean, means that food does not get distributed across the country. Global fuel prices skyrocket, so the price of all the goods that we are so accustomed to using goes up dramatically. Then there is a shortage of labor to produce automobile parts so it takes weeks to get your automobile repaired when before it would have only been a few days. It is at the point where our lives rest precariously on a vast interconnected systems that have become so complex that no one person understands it all. We have yielded control to technologies and autonomous people that no one thing or person actually controls anything. So in other words, no one is driving. Yet all the things needed to make it possible to perform all the mundane acts in our daily lives are somewhat automated, most likely algorithmically calibrated, and partly sweatshop labor dependent all mixed up in a highly sophisticated global supply chain. And yet most of us probably do not realize that at any one time there are over 17 million shipping containers circling the globe, and 5 to 6 million of those are constantly crossing the ocean. And these containers are packed with paper, bed sheets, frozen food, fruits, vegetables, socks, pharmaceuticals, and a whole plethora of other products that we use every day. Yet this sort of conversation doesn't even account for another vast, interconnected, mostly invisible, sprawling system that touches our lives every day, and that being the global financial markets. It used to be that that such a market was dependent on individual traders that could manage five or six major trades in a day, but in the global finance industry, which is of course preoccupied with growth, software with high frequency trading algorithms can now make 10,000 trades per second. And there is now a relentless adoption to automation of a highly technical network of banks, regulatory bodies, exchanges, news services, hedge funds, stock markets, government agencies, and millions of individual traders and analysts. Even ship captains receive automated email updates on course corrections and when to slow down and speed up, never really knowing the reason why. 
And this does not even touch on the one resource that each and every one of us reaches for numerous times a day, even me. That being the internet. The complex system that makes up the internet is a vast array of networks. In fact, it is a network of networks that consists of private, public, academic, business, and government networks globally linked by a broad array of electronic, wireless, and optical technologies. It's made up of data centers, data sets, exchanges, vast companies, information platforms, social media platforms, as well as billions of individual users connected to the very devices that we hold in our hands every day. And because we are so interconnected and our lives and choices are so influenced by the things that we see and experience on the internet, we now see, for one reason or another, huge swings in supply and demand that affects us every day. So when there are sudden decreases in consumer demand for a particular product, this often means that production is dramatically decreased and even shut down. Then when there is an increase in demand, you cannot instantly start up production on a massive scale so there is a shortage and prices go up. A perfect example of this is gasoline prices. During the massive shutdowns, while the pandemic was in full swing, there was about a 14% drop in demand for gasoline and an 8% drop in the demand for diesel. Consequently, at least in the United States, five domestic refineries with a total production capacity of 800,000 barrels per day were permanently shut down. Now with an enormous energy transition looming in the future, major investors are hesitant to increase production by building new facilities. Now everyone decides to go back to commuting and taking driving vacations and there is a shortage of gasoline and prices go up. And all of this was before Russian crude oil supplies were taken off the market. So over time, we have ended up with an enormously complex system that no one completely understands, which is now influenced by climate change, technology failures, shortages, labor shortages, resource shortages, and even ransomware hacks. And man, oh man, I seem to be throwing lots of things at you all at once, but I haven't even begun to talk about the environmental impact of globalization. Things such as increased greenhouse gas emissions due to global transportation, deforestation and loss of biodiversity, ocean acidification and the introduction of invasive species. And one often overlooked side effect of globalization is what is known as economic specialization. And what this means exactly is that smaller nations and sometimes even entire geographical regions can focus on their economic strengths. And this economic specialization boosts productivity and efficiency. And smaller nations always know that 
they can acquire needed goods from their trading partners and things you know that they cannot produce themselves and unfortunately this trend toward specialization often leads to serious environmental issues for example illegal deforestation in order to increase ranching operations and Brazil is a perfect example overfishing in coastal regions especially Southeast Asia which resulted in significant reduction of fish populations and more ocean pollution strong dependence on cash crops such as vegetables fruits coffee palm oil which all contribute to habitat loss mostly in tropical climates and some nations of course are even able to specialize in energy commodities such as natural gas oil and timber and these nations depend on energy sales to fund a large portion of their national budgets and furthermore those nations that focus on energy security are far more motivated to form subsidies and laws that protect their financial interest and thus they further hinder the transition to renewables and one other thing to consider is the fact that our global food system is the primary driver of a planet-wide loss of biodiversity and unless we change the way we produce our food there will come a time when continued destruction of the natural world will start to threaten human populations and the reason this is happening is that our global food system is focused on producing more food at a lower cost and this results in increased use of fertilizers pesticides energy land and water and as a result the lower cost of food production creates a bigger demand for food which must also be produced at an even lower cost which in turn requires more intensified production methods which of course results in more environmental degradation and this of course is all connected to globalization so obviously simplicity has been thrown right out the window you know and on a personal level I even wonder about that in my own life sometimes whenever I start feeling the effects of all the changes going on in our world right now and of course my my first reaction is to make further attempts to minimize that impact which usually consists of decreasing my dependence on this vast infrastructure that seems to run our entire lives. And if you've been following me on this podcast, you know that obviously I am a huge proponent of simplicity. And I remember times in my life when I truly had few things to worry about. And in our modern world that's far more complex than it needs to be, I tend to reflect on times in my life when simplicity merged with happiness. And if I needed something from the supermarket, I either walked or rode my bicycle. When I was living in Ecuador, I never even owned a vehicle. Public transportation was well established and very inexpensive. While spending time in a small community in the Amazon, there were specific days that were set aside for the farmers market and you simply walked down to the center of the village and waited for the trucks to show up 
with the vegetables that had literally just been pulled out of the ground. And it was very much the same when I was living and working in Mexico. So my point being here is that there are plenty of places on this planet where life is still simple. But that being said, you do not have to uproot your entire life in order to appreciate the value of simplicity. But it certainly seems to me that the challenge we now face on a daily basis is that a multitude of big businesses have now outsourced production of numerous consumer goods for decades now. And at least in the United States, this started in the 1970s. And there were multiple reasons for that. Things such as reduced labor cost meant more competitive pricing. Manufacturing was more efficient. There was increased flexibility in commercial markets. A faster pace during production. And all of this, of course, means lower consumer prices. But as is now painfully obvious, such a rapid move to globalization brings increased risk. Because local events in one country now cascade beyond national borders and the fallout of a financial meltdown or environmental disaster now affects everyone on the planet. And one thing is for certain. Globalization is not going to stop and it cannot be reversed. Yet you cannot argue against the many benefits but you also cannot deny the negative impact. And on a personal level, I can only make adjustments to my lifestyle to minimize the impact on my personal and financial life. But I also think that this is yet another argument to be as self-sufficient and sustainable as possible. So what if we all were able to obtain everything we needed for our daily lives from local sources? What if we all had a garden at home and produced much of our own food? What if we only ate seasonal vegetables and fruit instead of demanding we have this vast variety so we always get what we want when we want? What if the only what if we only purchase clothes from manufacturers within the borders of our own home country? What if we had local power stations? to supply our homes with renewable energy. So don't you think it is time that we started thinking more local instead of global? Don't you think it is time we walked into a local business instead of an online store? Don't you think it is time we patronized a local farmer instead of a big chain supermarket? Because if we all did this, we could dramatically reduce the impact of globalization on our lives and take yet another step toward being more sustainable. You know, when, when I was a kid, when I was very young, there was something that my father used to say to me on a regular basis that I never truly understood. I would make a statement or ask some obtuse question, and he would often say to me, what does that have to do with the price of tea in China? Now, it is believed that this phrase actually began in the 19th century England when the actual price of tea in China was in fact 
something of interest. So, for example, if someone in the British House of Commons said something that others felt was completely irrelevant to the topic at hand, repeating this phrase was used as a retort emphasizing the irre irrelevance because the price of tea in China was actually a valid topic. But even today, I look at much of what is going on in our world and I want to ask the same question. What does that have to do with the price of tea in China? And yet, it does have something to do with the price of tea in China because everything is so highly interconnected and big business is focused on profits which in many ways turns out to be to the detriment of each and every one of us as well as the environment. And yet these days you do not have to look very hard to find communities that are not only off-grid but self-sustaining. Places such as Finca Bella Vista in Costa Rica, Freedom Cove in Canada, Dancing Rabbit Eco Village in Missouri, Tinker's Bubble in England, Regen Village in the Netherlands, and Eco Village at Ithaca in New York. And you know, although Annette and her son and I live somewhat isolated, I could easily imagine myself living in a small, self-sustaining community. And if we did, I could also imagine us sitting around a warm wood stove on a cold, windy night, drinking coffee or a cup of my favorite tea, and if someone dared to make a comment on the high price of gasoline, I could actually repeat what was said to me many times in my younger years. What does that have to do with the price of tea in China? And you know, why should we have to fight government and big business in order to save the environment? But you don't have to if you just take the time and effort to be more sustainable. So folks, go local, not global, and you just may experience a little more peace, tranquility, and personal security. So as I'm wrapping up this episode, I just want to remind everyone that if you enjoy the material that I produce, then do me a small favor and take the time to leave me with a review, as well as subscribe to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast, as well as my companion blog, Off-Grid Living News. But for now, folks, this is your host, Patrick, signing off until next week. Always remember to live sustainably, because this is how we build a better future.